0: Welcome back to the podcast. This is the last episode of The Line to Mastery for the year 2020. It's so exciting. If you're listening to this episode, you have successfully made it through one of the most challenging years of my life. And yeah, I feel like I'm not alone in saying that. It's been really illuminating there's been some difficulties and ultimately i feel that this year has been for the best for all of us it's lifted the veil around a lot of aspects of the collective world as well as my own internal world so thank you 2020 for everything that you've offered i'm very excited for 2021 and yeah, without further ado, today on the podcast, we have another one of my soul brothers, Tlaloc Moctezuma Burns. He is a world class monkey, um, all around inspiring human being. He grew up in Mexico, lived a very sustainable life with his parents that he opens up about on the podcast. Um, we talk about throat singing. Highlining his vision for the sport, um, for wanting to make an impact in the world and offer those the same lessons that slacklining has offered for him. This man has a big heart and you are sure to hear it in the podcast. Also, I would like to bring awareness to 2021 and what's coming up for me i just got accepted into aubrey marcus's fit for service program this is a dream it's a year-long program that goes over the sacred masculine the sacred feminine and the divine unification of the two it's with people that i've looked up to for gosh like five years now and it's it's insane it's going to open up my world and the reach that I'm able to have here, uh, both in Austin and on this planet, it's going to recalibrate and align my foundations for, for everything in my life. And the opportunity is such a blessing. I want to bring awareness to the people that have donated to the GoFundMe so far. Thank you so much. John Paul Babiak, Isaac Wessel Dudley, uh, Stuart Biadri, Shiv Chakrabarti, Stefan Dragic, Summer Barbone, and Cam Rude. Thank you so much for donating to my GoFundMe so far. If you are listening to this podcast and you feel called to donate, even as small as a dollar, you know, Um, every little bit helps. It's a pretty, yeah, it's a high ticket program and it's quite the investment. So as of right now, I know I'm in the program. I don't fully know how I'm going to pay for it. Uh, so I'm reaching out to those that feel a call to invest in me. um, I've also been reaching out to different businesses that are interested in potentially sponsoring me. There's one that sounds super promising that I'm excited to share with you late at the end of January. And yeah, so if you feel the call, um, the GoFundMe is on my Instagram bio, or you can just reach out and ask me for access. Without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Tlalek. So... Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, And well, Thank you for coming here. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, brother. Um, I just love you so much, man. And when I had this idea to make a podcast, you were definitely one of the people that I was like, yeah, that's a great slackliner and human being that would be sweet to hop into a conversation with. Yeah, it's nice to be here, too. So... You're just like such a sweet dude, a very unique and interesting human being. And I was wondering, like, what kind of character, real or fictitious, do you do you connect with? kind mm, Kinda like Aang. You connect with Aang. Yeah. Nice. What is it about Aang? Um I
1: don't know. Uh being like Fun and like fluid, like the wind in a way. Um,
0: playful, balanced. Yeah, when when I think of you, man, especially when you're around, you're just like you're such a playful human being. You are a master player. Without a without a doubt, you just you have so much energy. Um, you connect a lot with that inner child within, and it's it's infectious.
1: Yeah, it's it's really fun. I also connect with the image of, like, the plumed serpent, you know, Quetzalcoatl. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it represents the connection between, like, earth and the sky, because it's a, a snake that's full of um, feathers that can fly, so kind of like a dragon. Um, yeah,
0: I also really connect with that imagery. That's super cool. That, uh, that connection between earth and sky. Yeah, like, like a tree. Yeah. yeah, brother. So, will you share your name with the audience and then kind of just like tell us the story behind your name?
1: Um, my name is Tlaloc, and Tlaloc means um, nectar of the earth. Tlali is earth, and Oktli is like the nectar. Uh, but it refers to like the masculine energy of water, um, which is like the vertical energy of the water evaporating and turning into clouds and then raining and penetrating the earth and fertilizing it, and thus making it a masculine principle. Whereas the feminine principle, Chalciwitlikwe, was seen more as the horizontal process of the waters like gathering together Uh, to form rivers and lakes and oceans. And they saw that more as a feminine principle. Chalchiwitlikwe meaning the one with the skirt of jade um, beads, which were called Chalchiwites. So, yeah, it's kind of...
0: Yeah, my name. Dude, it's beautiful. There's such a beautiful story behind it. What... um. What was it like growing up and and living in Mexico and just, like, your childhood and being in the Yucatan?
1: Um, well, I didn't really grow up in Yucatan. I grew up in Amecameca, which is uh, very near Mexico City, like, where the volcanoes Popocatepetl and Iztaccíhuatl are. So it was really nice because I got to grow up, like, seeing those big, beautiful mountains that are, like, 5,000 something meters high um so they're pretty high um and one of them has the shape of a sleeping woman it's actually pretty crazy how how much it looks like that it looks like a sculpture you can even see like the chin and the nose and like the hair um and the chest it's really beautiful and my parents were were are act- environmental activists and they like I grew up in a house that was made out of adobe and had solar panels and all our rain, all the water came from the rain. And we had a garden and some animals and
0: I lived like in the forest without a lot of neighbors. Nice. So that's how you understand composting so well, I'm sure. And just like being able to live sustainably is because you grew up in that space.
1: Yeah, I grew up like kind of with that. But it's been... An ongoing process, like it always is. My parents just now are uh, transitioning completely to not using f- fossil fuels because they're getting um, a little a small electric vehicle for being able to ride like more locally. And then they only use the car when they need to, so they're like almost. And we're cooking with electricity now, so we're not using gas anymore. Um, with the um. Showers are heated with solar energy as well. So it's really cool to see my parents' process. It's taken them, like, yeah, more than 20 years, but they're finally, like, getting to
0: a nice little balance. Yeah, no, that's super cool to hear just how far they progress. So they're, they're pretty much getting all of their electricity from the sun.
1: Yeah, I mean, just all, since I was all grew support. up, we all, yeah. we all had them. I mean, we're... Kinda of in the forest, so the electrical grid didn't get to our house, so
0: we we're just off grid, so we needed to create our own little grid. Yeah, man, that's so cool. I mean, like that's such a value that's such a valuable skill set to have and to be able to share with the world because a lot of our lifestyles right now is just they're just not sustainable and we can't continue to live the same way that we've been living.
1: Yeah. Yeah, especially like here in the US, where there's like so much like, accumulation of energy and resources from all over the world. And I think just the US is responsible for like a fourth of the world's emissions, which is pretty crazy to think about because like it only has like 300 million people. So out of
0: almost 8 billion,
1: like yeah. seven and a half. Pretty, it's pretty crazy. Very <laughs> disproportionate. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I
1: think that has to do with, like, the imperialism, you know, that is, like, accumulating energy for for a
0: long time. It's pretty insane. Yeah, it seems that so far it's been set into the foundations to always grow and always accumulate. And, um, yeah, at the expense of, of someone else. Yeah. It's
1: just like a, an, like a pyramid shape but that is actually, like, exponential. So, like, the capital just, like, gets accumulated in such a way that fewer people have more and more. And I think it was, like, 2014 that it was 1% of the population that had, like, 50% of the capital. But nowadays it's just, like, eight people have more than half of the people. And that
0: process is just exponential, so pretty crazy. Yeah, it seems that... We need to shift from a mindset of competition to one of cooperation and like, mutually assisting everyone. Yeah. From, because we are so abundant and there is abundance everywhere, you know. Life is not as scarce as we've been telling ourselves it is. Yeah. You know, we have more than enough to provide for everyone on the planet.
1: Yeah, I mean, right now we're only consuming about a third of the food that is produ- that is produced. Like, only a third of it ever gets to the houses, and that doesn't include the food waste that happens in houses. But two-thirds of it just gets lost in transport and um, because of different things. Yeah, I, th- I didn't realize
0: it was that much. I thought it was, like, half.
1: I, I think it's, like, a third. For example, like, fishing, big fishing industries, like, they're fishing for, like, tuna or something, They'll catch a lot of other random fish and stuff, but because they're not selling that, then they just kind of, like, throw that away because there's a lot more of that, for example. So, yeah, that's that kind of thing that doesn't really take advantage of of the food. And also, like, the food waste here in the U.S. or in Europe or in Canada is so crazy that there's, like, people that can even just eat for free very good just by, like, going to dumpsters because... There's just so much
0: abundance of food that just doesn't get eaten. Yeah, man.
1: That's pretty crazy.
0: It's super crazy. So what was your journey into slacklining?
1: Um, I started slacklining because I started living in a community in Yucatan called Sututja, that formed like five years ago. And uh, friends there were pretty good slackliners. Um, So like my first lines were, was like a, a 40 meter line over water and the single thing i just like stood up and fell and stood up and fell and stood up and fell for like several months because it was so hard um but then when i started getting a hang of it it was good because other lines seemed easier (laughs) yeah that's a great line to start on yeah as a beginner and push yourself pretty loose (laughs) a lot of fun um and then I traveled around, like, kind of searching for the opportunity to highland a little more, Um, because in Mexico it's still... I mean, it's, it's getting a lot better now, but it, it it was, like, it's not as developed, you know, in a way. So, like, especially, like, lengthwise, it's not that common for us to rig, like, lines over 200, 300 meters. Um, so I've kind of tried to look for that and for... Also amazing people to learn from and amazing places and festivals, you know, Slack life. <laughs> so that has taken me to Canada and to Europe and to different parts of the U.S. And I'd also like to continue like going more like to South America. That would mm-hmm. be really cool because um, there's also a nice scene over there. But yeah, it's been nice just one step at a time. But I always keep going back to this community that I learned uh, in, in Sututka, That's also where I've learned a lot about, like, organizing in the community and permaculture. And we also do artistic and, um, like, cultural work in town with children and people there. I've taught some slacklining classes to the kids there, so there are a couple kids that can do it. And that's really fulfilling. We also host, like, a festival Every year where we go to the cenotes and we do water lining and we cook for everybody. And that's that's also really nice to be able to connect, like, the Slack community with the community in the jungle that, um, for me, are, like, my both families. So it's nice to, like, reunite them.
0: Yeah, bridge the gap between yeah. those two. Like Slackland. exactly. Exactly. So what was your introduction to, like, Highline Bounce Flow and the inspiration for just pursuing that?
1: Um, well, I mean, the videos I saw of, like, Samuel Valery and Lucas Himmler and all of them were pretty crazy. And then I think the first person I saw, like, in real life was Zach Timmons in, uh, at Smith Rock, um... And that was really amazing to be able to like see it in person. I was already trying to do some things like on a long line, but I'd never really tried that much on a high line, and he just made it look so good. Um, no, I, th- I think first I saw him, and then I started doing things like on a long line, but anyway, it's just like through meeting people like Zach Timmons, and then eventually when I went to Europe, I also. Uh, met like sam Valery and lucas Himmler and raf and just like so many people that are so amazing (laughs) sebastian Gumchung has also been great
0: surf teacher the surf master (laughs) yeah he certainly is a master of the surf and i mean that's just like how you do it right that's how you get good you have to travel around meet other people see different styles um I was fortunate enough to start Highlining and Flagstaff. So Zach was like one of the first people that I got to experience. And at the time, he was doing some crazy stuff, um, like a few years ahead of where a lot of us are at now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's been really amazing. I think we're also very fortunate to be able to have social media and internet and stuff because it's been really easy to keep in touch with what is going around the world even before I met Sam, like it was cool to meet Sam in person, but like even before meeting him, there was already kind of a relationship in the way that like he would post a video and I would be like, Oh, that's really cool. And then like, I would try to do that trick. And it was like, kind of like, he was kind of my teacher because of all the like material he was putting out, and, mm-hmm. but he had never met me. So it was kind of cool. Like when we got to meet, cause it was also like connecting that. Uh, and he also like learned something from me and, I learned from him and it was just I don't
0: know it was a cool relationship yeah it became a deeper exchange of ideas
1: yeah yeah I think that's really cool about like and creativity what happens when people travel uh, cause like you see someone else's style and you kind of want to do that, that and everybody kind of like leaves a mark you know like uh, Sebastian Gumchung has left a bunch of surfers around the world that just like want to like be like him in a way you know and I think that process of like seeing yourself in someone else and, like, aspiring to be that way is a really cool way of, like, growing as a community, you know? hmm Yeah. I remember, like, at first when I started, like, getting good at um, freestyle highlighting and, uh, I don't know, I kind of felt, like, proud of myself. And I remember at some point, like, I saw a video of, like, somebody, like, doing something really good and I'd get a little bit jealous and be like, oh, no, like, now I'm going to have to be better because... I want to be the best or whatever and that would make me feel really weird inside it would be like I don't know if I want to be like feeling this Uh, but that's kind of what I felt and eventually like I just recognized that instead of it being like uh, a problem that someone was like showing something that was inspiring for me and that challenged me and that was like incredible was actually a great opportunity you know because like if I were the only person doing tricks, then it would take me forever to go through that process or any, anybody, you know, and the fact that we're so many people means that we all learn a lot faster because someone else does that process of like learning the trick for the first time. And then once you see somebody do it, it's a lot easier than because like
0: you realize it's possible.
1: Exactly. Like with the almighty foot, that was like so crazy. That was like the when I like confirmed that idea because like when I saw him do that it was like wow like I don't know if I would have ever imagined that that was possible until I saw someone else do it and I was like wow damn, thank you for existing and yeah. like, exploring that reality like and then when I see somebody that's doing something really good instead of feeling jealous I feel thankful that there are so many like wonderful teachers you know that like can I don't know I think it's cool to be able to Like you were talking about the process of going from competition to collaboration. Like instead of seeing it as competition, seeing it as we're all collaborating and creating this new sport and like exploring its possibilities. And the more we share ideas with each other, the faster that process is. And I don't know, I think it's really cool to have that opportunity of like creating a new culture in a way because it's a pretty new thing, you know.
0: I feel the same way. Yeah, there's so much potential here. And to be a part of this sport and help develop it um, for future generations to, like, already have these tricks and to, like, just take it to the next level. uh, Yeah. It's really cool. Um, And I totally agree being able to have access to so many resources and people and this sport actually being a global community creates so many different styles that we get to learn from if it's through the social medias or being able to travel and connect with people, it's man, it's a beautiful sport and it's definitely changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too, for sure. What was one of the most, um, challenging and rewarding tricks for you to finally get down and land?
1: Sebastian Gumpchunk one time told me about this weird trick where you would like be sitting like in sofa position. Like it's kind of easy to do on a rodeo line. You're just like sitting and you like pass on your shoulders and then you throw your legs on the other side and you're sitting. Um, and that was called a sarah because sarah minor was the first one to like try it. And then Sebastian tried it and taught it to me. Um, and he was like, oh, you should do that on a highline." And I tried to do it for like, I don't know, I think it was like two years before I actually was able to do it. Um, I of course wouldn't just like only try that. I would try other things, but it was just really hard to actually like rotate in that way and land. I've only been able to land like twice, <laughs> but that was really rewarding to be
0: able to finally do. Yeah, it's a crazy trick. It's like a grandi roll in wrestling. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but same movement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just where you're rolling over your shoulders to.
1: Yeah, and I would like to do that to feet, but that's even harder. One I've only minute. been able to do it twice to the sofa, so it'll be a while. Yeah. I don't know. I do think that the sooner you try something, the sooner you do it. But then also, if you're, like, just trying too much of the same thing, it's easy to get, like, frustrated, and you, can like, hurt yourself. and
0: not want to try that trick ever again. Yeah. Yeah, you got to find that balance, right? Yeah. Yeah. For a while, like, My bounce flow, um, freestyle highlighting, my only focus was on the foundation. So, like, butt bounce, uh, Korean, chest bounce, that was kind of it. And I would just cycle through those and then, like, slowly start to add more layers onto it. And now um, I'm trying more difficult things, which is really great. And when I get tired, I can just go back to the foundations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. So what's your favorite webbing and style of slackline?
1: Um, I don't know. I think the lift tube is pretty nice because it's, like, tubular, but it has rounded edges, so it's, like, and it floats on water because of the, like, line skin resin that it has. It also makes it, like, UV-resistant because that's also a big... I think that's one of the main issues with freestyle highlining, that we use, like, webbings that don't have that much of a breaking strength, but they're also, like, um, they're mainly made out of nylon, which is pretty, uh, um, what's it called? Um, It's not resistant to UV radiation, so in a year you can expect, like, a lose of half of the breaking strength in your webbing. So if you started off with, like, 20-something and then you take that half, that's, like, 11 kilonewtons. And, I don't know, Justin's been able to do 7 kilonewtons on a rocket mount, so that's not more than twice the breaking strength that you would need. So I think it's cool that it has that resin that also protects it from UV radiation that will make it last a little longer. But eventually freestyle highlighting is going to go have, have that problem of, like, you're using lines up pretty pretty fast. Like after a year, you should probably not. It's not like that safe anymore. Mm-hmm. To use as a high line, so you, you even feel it. it feels kind of like cardboard and looks super pale. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely tell the yeah. difference. But yeah, I think that can be a risk of our sport. You know, people not retiring their webbing in time because it didn't last long. <laughs> so I don't know that's why I like that cool freestyle highlighting I think is my favorite style too I also like the walking on long lines especially trying to like speed walk because I think it's like cool like one of the meditation well they're both meditations but one is more active and
0: the others like a little more passive Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah one feels like a marathon and the other feels like a sprint
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: yeah so I want to ask you about throat singing and just, like, where that has come into your life. and
1: I Yeah, I kind of just randomly met a friend that could do that. And the first time I heard it, it just sounded, like, I don't know, magical. And I was like, what? Can you show me how to do that? And he was like, yeah. And I tried it for, like, a couple days. And when I finally was able to do it, I had this crazy this crazy feeling of, like, overwhelmingly having to cry and laugh at the same time. And I was just, like, on the floor, like, crying and laughing at the same time. And it felt really confusing because I had those both feelings very strongly if they were combined. And it was just weird. <laughs> a lot of emotion, a lot of feels. Yeah, it just kind of, like, just unblocked something uh, and then
0: I could do it that was funny I know and now you bust it out all the time
1: yeah actually recently I've been thinking that I should not do it as much because it does it can hurt your throat a little bit if you do it too much so I also have to be more intentional of like the moments when it's appropriate yeah yeah
0: Maybe do some vocal warm-ups, too? Yeah. Or just diving straight into the throat singing?
1: Yeah, I haven't been very disciplined with that. I also haven't... I didn't really learn from, like, someone that did that. It was just, like, someone taught me how to make that sound, so I've also had to... been, like, feeling it within myself and trying to figure those things out. So, I don't know.
0: I'm still in that process. Yeah, it's a... Dude, we're all always learning you mind sharing some throws hanging on the podcast?
1: Uh, sure. Mm.
0: Thank you, Twala. You're welcome. It's crazy. It sounds like a didgeridoo, and it's coming out of you. It's just vibration. It's beautiful vibration. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's 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 a really healing uh, vibration. It also feels like it connects more with like a like lower vibration, you know. Um, and it feels really nice when, when 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 I do it, and I think it's also important to remember that anybody can can do that you know and feels best when it comes from inside because that's when just all that vibration is like physically inside it feels like
0: warm and nice (laughs) yeah it seems like you would be able to move around a lot of stuck energy by just creating all that vibration internally
1: yeah i i I still have to learn
0: how to do that but in principle it's possible (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely (laughs) Yeah. So what's your what's your vision for the sport of slacklining where do you see it going in the future?
1: Um, I would like to see it become more accessible um, to more people um I would like to see it also be like more organized in a way in the sense that like, For example, when I went to Europe, I saw a lot of associations that were able to get, like, government money because of, like, sport, um, money that they gave, like, to promote sports. There's different types of, like, fundraising that can be done for that. And the association owned a bunch of gear. And then the members of the association, I think they may, in some cases, they paid a small fee. In some cases, they didn't but they could have access to that gear and just, like, use it, you know? So, like, it's not, like... Because, I mean, now it works that everybody, like, buys their own gear, but that's because people have that, like, acquisitive power, you know? So that also makes the sport kind of elitist in a way, just because, like, someone that doesn't have... And just having free time is already a privilege in some cases, in a lot of cases. Um, and then having to have that money for gear can also be a little hard. And I think the webbing is shared a lot in, in the community, but that form of, like, collectively owned um, gear just makes it more accessible for people that, like... Don't you know, have
0: access to it.
1: Yeah, especially if you have, like, a good association that is also, like, giving classes and kind of, like, also, like, what Justin is doing of, like, teaching... Having beginner highlining days and teaching beginners how to get on high lines and like just making that more of a welcoming process, which I think is also just naturally happening as well because it was a very small sport, so it just takes time to grow. But and I really like it's. I think we all feel how it's had really profound impacts in our lives to do that. And I like the idea of being able to share that magic that can happen to people that
0: would otherwise not have access to that, you know, just, yeah. Yeah, being able to open that door, bridge that gap. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so right now I'm starting a, well, we started a Mexican slackline company um, in which we're trying to make gear in Mexico so it's, cheaper for people in Mexico because in Mexico we have to import gear from the US or Canada or Europe that has a lot of like import taxes and stuff like that. I've had friends that have had to pay as much as the webbing cost in import tax because it came from France and I don't know what. So it's also a way to try to like make that more accessible in Mexico. So
0: yeah. That's awesome. What's the name of your
1: Slackline company? Uh, Gecko Slacklines.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. And um, so are you guys selling webbing now? And
1: Yeah, right, right now we selling? only have like one webbing that is like 40 kilonewtons and is pretty um, thick and heavy. Um, but it's because we're still like um, finding the manufacturers and communicating with them and this was like the industrial um, just webbing that they already had so we're still in that process of uh, mainly of communicating with them which is pretty complex because we are also like dealing with very small quantities so they're not really that interested right now and they, they are used to selling like just kilometers and kilometers of webbing so I don't know it's just a process that takes time to develop something that's new um But yeah, right now we're focusing on like beginner kits that people can have. So we have like indoor beginner kits with a wall mount for concrete walls um, that you can like tension and also like a rodeo setup with uh, expansible, uh threads and screws that don't like come out. Um, and the rodeo like for outside and a primitive for
0: of like 30 meters. But yeah, right now that's like our main focus. Yeah, beginner kits sound like a good idea to just get your foot in the door.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's also, our intention is to make it more accessible. So that by definition means like getting to new people. So we want to be able to offer the cheapest, like primitive, and the cheapest like beginner kits that can be bought in Mexico um, to be able to, yeah, reach to more people.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Way to way to bridge that gap, and and figure out a way like a creative solution to actually have more access for people in Mexico. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, and also like when the um, slack if the slackline company is going well, I would also like to like support, for example, the children in Sotuta that I have taught that know how to slackline, but they don't have like their own gear. And I don't think they would be able to pay for it, even if it was, like, even, like, for the cheap price that we are trying to give it out. Um, so I would like to be able to, with the Slackline company, be able to raise funds for... Um, like giving, donating kits? Donating kits to just kids that otherwise wouldn't Carousel. have that option. Yeah,
0: cool. And that already know how to Slackline. Yeah. So yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, I want to do something with communities, too along the same lines just like communities that won't have access yeah um, and to just give them slack lines and
1: yeah, cause it can, stay I know it changed our lives so I don't know, lives, so yeah. don't know who, whose lives it can change you know
0: yeah and I don't think it's on us to have to know whose lives it will change and yeah. the ripple effect that it will have I think it's just on us to show up and, and share, share it. what yeah. we've learned yeah and let that magic of sharing do its work in the way that exactly. it works exactly yeah So who do you see yourself being 10 years from now? Um, Me?
1: (laughs) I don't know. I think it's always, it's easier to point out, like, the problems that there are in the world than to um, suggest solutions for them or proposals. I think that's something that my parents have have taught me that it's very important to not only like be against something, but also really think about what it is that you actually want to create. And I think in this stage of late yeah, like late stage capitalism, there's a lot of crises that are happening like simultaneously. And that brings a lot of people to a point of like just critical need in a way. And this process is going to grow exponentially in these next 10 years. So I think it's important to just live like alternative ways of like trying to relate yourself sustainably with the environment and with the community around you and creating more of a like social structure that is organized and is able to collaborate and just yeah, like a stronger community tissue. So, in a way, I kind of feel like, in some way, like pulled apart because I have like roots in i in Mexico City where my parents grew up and where that house is. And we have a little bit of land there, and it's also needing for me to be there and uh, do like a permaculture process there. I also have that process in the jungle of that community that, uh, I learned slacklining from and I learned all of most of what I've been learning about, like permaculture and bees and being in the cenotes and all that, um, and organizing in community. And I also have like this community like here in Colorado and in the U S and then all like of the world, this like slack family that I also want to, Relate with. So, I want to find a way to be able to weave all of those things together, you know, to be able to have uh, permaculture centers where Slackliners can come and learn about different things and also share Slacklining with the com- local communities there and create, um, yeah, just more forms of community organization. Um, I think there's also going to be a, a growing, like, need for people to go back to like the land in a way to i think there's a lot of projects everywhere in the world that are trying to do that um and i think it's also cool to share the experiences between us to learn from our mistakes because it's just a lot harder when you're by yourself you know so uh kind of like the same thing we're talking about how freestyling evolves Uh, i think creating a conscious community is also going to require that traveling and networking and like sharing experiences and knowledge and I see myself like trying to do that you know trying to
0: bridge my different communities and create a nice space net for them all to be connected yeah for sure finding that balance between uh, grounding places down
1: and And also also traveling yeah yeah
0: exactly it's pretty challenging I feel pretty torn apart sometimes and it feels pretty overwhelming but you got this. Just one step at a time. One step at a time. Exactly, <laughs> my brother. Um Man, if you could put a message on a billboard for for people to see what we're to say. Hmm. No. perfect Tlaloc. man where can people find you
1: on facebook um, um on instagram i'm la and if it's meant to be we'll just find each other somewhere sometime
0: yeah brother beautiful Thank you so much for coming on. I love you.
1: I can't wait to set with
0: you today and and Durango. And I'm so grateful that you're in my life, brother. Yeah, me too. It's Cam. Yeah, thank you for Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode. I hope 2021 ends up being... So epic for you. Everything that your heart has been calling in, what you thought 2020 was going to be, may 2021 end up being just like 10 levels above that. May it exceed any and all expectations that you set for it. Um, And lastly, I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast this year. And tuning in. This has been the beginning of my podcast journey. Um, I think I released 22, 23 episodes, something like that this year. Um, definitely looking to increase that by double at least next year. And yeah, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the support. I love doing this. I feel, uh, my voice and my throat open up. As I sit and I do this practice, I feel my heart open more. My connection with myself is getting so much better due to just being able to sit down and do this practice. So thank you for listening. I am going to keep doing it because I love it. It feels good. Um, I love the way it feels to articulate myself, to convey my thoughts, my philosophies, my ideologies, my methodologies, And my love with you all. So this is just the beginning, many, many beginnings all around, and I love you. Happy New Year. You are a warrior. You are a king. You are a queen. You are a god. You are a goddess. You are everything that you choose to create yourself to be, and you are wildly capable. I would like to leave the last bit of this podcast with a reminder that the only limitation is your own imagination and impossible simply means I'm possible. Go after your dreams. Much love.